You are listening to a show that is designed to be something of a time machine. We offer insights, explanations, and deep dives into media that takes us back to a time when we were children. A time with no bills, no jobs, no having to remain politically involved, or even having to keep up to date with the latest politically correct terminology. We remember the content in these discussions, and we are overwhelmed with a sense of familiarity, warmth, joy, or simply put, a wave of nostalgia. But oftentimes, when we look back on the programs of our youth, we find that they're not as well constructed as we remember. Or perhaps the times have changed so much that the morals and the humor within have aged poorly. The entire time we have been looking at the programs of our yesteryear through rose-colored glasses. Such as the writing on our board. Right now all we see is the word nostalgia. But if we add a black light, we see that the program you are viewing is the best podcast to cover this period in our lives. Is this true? Is Splatatech Podcast one of the best places to stop for nostalgic content? Or are we too looking at our own content through rose-colored glasses? That is up to you to decide, as we for this Halloween special cover beyond belief, fact, or fiction. Flat Attack Podcast. Hosted by Brett Wilson and Alex Nance. We live in a time where the modern world and the memories of our past live side by side. Our childhood is preserved through nostalgia, and the only way to relive our memories is through online media. Can you separate distorted inklings and false recollections from what truthfully broadcasted to our brains? To do so, you must break through the web of transient TV and open your mind to what really happened as we look through the slime and into the heart of Beyond Belief. Welcome to Splat Attack, a 90s podcast honoring the slime-filled past. I'm your Silver Fox short-lived factor fiction checker, Brett. And I'm your good-looking mansion-strolling maestro of mayhem, Alex. And Brett... Yes, Alex? Uh, We've steered outside of 90s Nickland for a third year in a row for spooky season. Uh, What brings us to this undisclosed Victorian mansion full of mysteries today? Well, this was one of those shows that was lying dormant in the back of my head until my wife Monica reignited my memory, proving it actually happened. And it was not simply a Mandela effect of that mass magician show on Fox either. (laughs) (laughs) So to celebrate the paranormal and unexplainable this spooky season, we're going to present you Slimesters with a retrospective today on the cult classic 90s anthology show, Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction. 
it's it's really an addictive show to watch once you uh, get a glimpse of the mystifying illusions that uh, I just can't wait to talk about today with everyone. <laughs> it, I, I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a good time. But uh, much like you, I had completely forgotten about this show, too, until I saw started watching it for the episode. And then saw I remembered all those memes that we had seen all over social media. And it's like, ah, yeah. that, that, that's where this is coming from. But uh, before we dive into the history and some notable episodes and what not could you take a look at this diagram for me and tell sure. me what you see let's see uh i see a face no is that a vase no that can't be it it looks like a word splat no i see it now it's it's our special guest for today monica how are you doing monica Whoa! What optical <laughs> illusion! Hi, everybody! Hello! Hi, Monica! Hi, Monica! It's great to be back for some more spooky, suspenseful fun, so I'm, I'm excited about this episode. Yeah. I mean, speaking of recall, uh, what, are, what are some of our favorite memories of Beyond Belief growing up? Um, so I was a huge TGIF fan back in the 90s. Um, toward the tail end of TGIF when it wasn't really at its prime, um, I would watch other channels and that's actually how I came across Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, uh, because the episodes actually aired on Friday nights on Fox. Um, so I have fond memories of my younger cousins and I watching this show. Uh, you know, we had like a piece of paper and we would write down our predictions and kind of make a game out of it. Um, and even nowadays, I still watch it with my family. And despite, you know, the night, the cheesy 90s acting, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think the show is fun. Um, even the creepy stories you wish weren't true. Yeah, this, this was really fun. Uh, I don't really have any memories of it being on as a kid. Uh, but I do remember... I don't know. I think I have a vague memory of the image of this because I, when I saw the memes that were going all over the place, I remembered seeing that guy from Star Trek in this mansion, but I never knew really what the show was. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I was still on the cusp of being nervous about all, all these types of programming because are you afraid of the dark i was terrified of tales of the crypt i was terrified of and then this really had that suspenseful supernatural flavor just in those little interstitial moments when he would introduce mm -hmm. when jonathan frakes would introduce the stories so i think i i i had an idea that this was something that i knew was not going to be up my alley whenever I was the age as it aired. But going back and look at it as an adult, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit, but it's it's a fun show. And I really, I really enjoyed going back into this. And uh, I remember the memes. The memes were fun. But uh, to, to go back and really watch the whole thing again, well, I didn't get to watch the whole thing. Uh, I, I got to watch two seasons. Uh, I missed the last one uh, just in prep for the show. But I still got to see the whole uh, those those two, and um, I'm looking forward to watching the the other episodes. So this this is actually something that I was trying to convince Megan to watch because this is very much up her alley too. Because this and and I know we'll talk about this a bit too, but a lot of the uh, I mean ID channel chiller channel they owe a lot to this show because a lot of that. Um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? The the narration on top of mm-hmm. the story and trying to take apart what really happened, what didn't happen. I mean, you, you see this kind of format done in a lot of murder mystery television today. And uh, it, I don't remember seeing that a lot in the 90s. Uh, there there re- wasn't really a big call for that in the 90s. It wasn't until satellite TV really became a thing. But this is the first instance I can think of where they really had this kind of format of, of programming. And um, which I think is great. The fact that this is almost an origin of all these procedural cop show things that we see now, uh, although it's not necessarily the procedural cop show, but it's that that murder mystery style. And uh, what Megan really loves here. <laughs> yes, and Megan loves those kinds of things. So I was telling her about it, and um, she was like, "Oh, maybe." And I showed her one story, just one, and she was like, "Ooh, that's creepy." And it was one of those that was real, and uh, she was, "Oh man, that's really creepy." I said, "You want to watch more of these?" And she said. I don't know, maybe. And I've, I'd have it on my phone. I'd, I'd have it sitting on the sink while we're doing the dishes, and I'd catch her constantly looking at the screen, and I'd be looking at her. Are you, are you watching it there, honey? Shut <laughs> up. And But it's fun. It's fun. But, Brett, what about yeah. you? Yeah, it's got a... I know I say this, like, every time. I can't help it, but uh, it's it's kind of has a Are You Afraid of the Dark flavor to it. Mm-hmm. With the it does. format. Um, it's steered for like, obviously an older audience, but it's still safe enough for younger kids to tune in. I know when I first caught it on Fox on Fridays with my dad, um, you know, we both enjoyed watching it because we would watch scary shows like Tales from the Crypt and X-Files together. So because I had adult supervision, it was okay. And, you know, I could either leave the room or close my eyes when scary parts happen. But, um, it's kind of more in the line of Alfred Hitchcock because there's a yes. lot of suspense and thriller and atmosphere to it, but there's never really like any deep, hard jump scares or mm-hmm. any like super trauma inducing stuff. Like usually they find clever ways, um, you know, through the the acting and the, the setup to get around anything that could be potentially gruesome where they just cut away and describe it so that you don't have to be like full blown, you know, exposed to gore and horrific things that may be part of the story but what i like about it is that it's just it's it's fun in the suspense and what you think is going to happen next which is like the twist or you know the clincher that really gets you at the end to make you really guess what's real and what's not real or even if there's like a mix of both elements throughout the story that would make you second guess your answer and um just trying to come up with your own scenarios too that could fit in the line of these shows because uh but we're going to talk more about the history later but it lasted for about four seasons roughly 13 episodes per season except for the first season and i felt it could have gone you know much longer and uh you know maybe with streaming happening now there could be a resurgence in interest kind of kind of like how certain shows of nickelodeon got like brief reboots because people were raving about them of like missing them and sharing their nostalgic memories on social media. And, you know, some people who have rights to these shows begin to take notice and, you know, set them forth in motion to make an extension of the, their universes. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch and see how these uh, shows have aged um, these episodes as well uh, since their initial airings in, in the nineties. And, uh, you know, thanks to this, girl right here i i found quite a bit of delight in not only um 
really getting engrossed in the stories, but just enjoying how goofy and silly Jonathan Frakes is in between. Like, I, he, he's his own Midnight Society, and he totally carries the weight of the show super well. And I, I kind of just want to see, like, eight of them around a campfire tell stories to each other, and I would, I would eat it up. <laughs> you should do your impression of his smile. Oh, yeah. Um, you, think this, you think this tale really happened? Well, you're wrong. It didn't. <laughs> you know, it's like a delayed pause. If you guessed this was a work of fiction, you guessed right. We made this one up. No, for, for anybody who's not really seen the show before and all you've seen is the, those memes, an Are You Afraid of the Dark comparison is pretty spot on because this is bite-size are you afraid of the dark for adults? Uh, it really is because Jonathan Frakes would come out uh, for for the, the two, uh, three of the seasons. He would come out and introduce the different stories, and the stories were were bite size. Uh, they didn't take a full uh, twenty four minutes, but uh, and also it's not like a lot of these stories. They reminded me of Supernatural. Uh, mm -hmm. the the t the television show Supernatural, uh, because the first few seasons they would take common urban legends and and do their own little spin on it. But this was in the two thousands and it was on cable television, and they were able to do a lot of gore, uh, not not excessive amounts, but I mean you'd still have blood splatters and bodies on fire and monsters and things like that. I say we grab some takeout, head back to the motel, lay low until midnight. All right, good. Who wants Chinese? You, like Brett was saying, you don't really have that in this. It, it very much reminds me of The Woman in Black, um, mm -hmm. where it's just a spooky, eerie story where it relies more on storytelling and atmosphere and less on jump scares and gore which I think is really missing a lot in modern horror stories. So this, I, this is, I agree. so this is definitely, if you enjoy spooky stories uh, and go check this out, we'll tell you where you can find all of it. And we've got all kinds of wonderful, wonderful info for you. So I think we've yammered enough for a little <laughs> while. So uh, Brett, why don't you take us into the history? Sure. Uh, just real quick before I do that, I do want to mention that we did have planned another guest to be with yes. us here tonight. Um, Jordy, who you may know from our Alex Mack verses we just released on Patreon. And, uh, you know, also he's been on some past episodes and he does the graphics for our show. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it tonight due to uh, unforeseen schedule conflict, but uh, we wish him the best. And I'm sure he's watching this episode right now on uh, YouTube or listening on our podcast platforms because uh, he's a big fan of the show. And. He also got me into some of the meme culture that surrounds this. <laughs> <laughs> and and Jordy, you'll you'll see him around more. He was in our Halloween commercials episode, our our first Halloween special, and way back uh, in episode six, yeah. And Jordy will still be around, so I'm sure you'll see him again at some point. And we miss you, Jordy. All righty, let's jump into the history of the show, shall we? So Beyond Belief first aired May 25th, 1997 and lasted until September 5th, 2002 for U.S. audiences, with a couple of gap years in between the third and fourth seasons. The original working title was Strange Truth Factor Fiction, according to tvtropes.org, 
which is not too far off from the final of Beyond Belief. It lasted for 45 episodes, or 48 if you include the fifth German season referred to as X Factor. As of now, Frakes' parts in season five are dubbed and the season is unavailable in English territories and outside Germany. Of the stories that aired on the show, 139 of them turned out to be based on factual events. Season five also continues the series for German audiences around Halloween each year since 2021. So there's a little bit of a resurgence slash reboot going on that uh, for whatever reason, you know, the rest of the world hasn't been able to enjoy yet. The show was created by Lynn Liebman and produced by Dick Clark Productions. And yes, that is the same Dick Clark from New Year's Rockin' Eve of all places, um, back when he was still alive. Rest in peace. The theme song is by Al Kasha. Kasha. <laughs> with additional music by David Russo, Mark Northam, Tim Simonek, Steve Zuckerman, and Robert Alpert. And of course, it was narrated by the late great legendary Don LaFontaine. This is Don LaFontaine. Who is known as the movie trailer guy from 1997 to 2000 and was later replaced by Campbell Lane in 2002, which is the last season of the show. For Beyond Belief, this is Campbell Lane. During the, um, the, the Picard, when that started becoming a big thing and, and the cast was doing a lot of Comic-Con events, um, somebody, uh, I think it was somebody over at Entertainment Weekly, started asking Jonathan Frakes while they were in this big group about doing Beyond Belief uh, back in the 90s. And he was talking about it's huge in Germany. It's, mm-hmm. it's huge in Germany, surprisingly. Uh, he said there's something about the American audiences where it just didn't quite catch on, uh, which we'll talk about why here in a little bit. But uh, he said over in Germany, though, they took it like moth to flame. Uh, they, it's because their culture is so much about this kind of thing. They ate it up, which is why they were able to do an, an extended season or spin off, depending on how you want to phrase it. And they actually got him to come back for the show just for Germany. So it's it's really impressive that something not only stood the test of time, but has quite a huge following. I mean, there's a cult following here in the States, but the fact that another country has picked up on it and has latched onto it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about um, where things are more popular in different regions of the world than you'd expect based on, you know, their culture, their history, the lore. Mm-hmm just their general interest. Um, I guess like America is more into sudden jump scary things, which is why uh, slasher horror can be pretty big. But uh, I guess for the more subtle atmospheric thriller stuff, uh, that's it's more in tune with like European interests. And it's like rock. There, there, there's you have your basic rock, and then you have all these subgenres that people get into, and horror is very much the same way. There's all kinds of different aspects of horror, and I feel like there's a, a pretty substantial amount of people out there who do really like atmospheric storytelling horror, but we get so few of it. We get so few entries into the into this genre that it gets overlooked. Which uh, is which is a travesty, and uh, also I think a lot of the audiences that are into atmospheric horror now had no idea or have no idea that this even exists. Yeah, yeah. If they knew, they would I'm sure buy into it because there's something for everyone among these stories. I mean, they're not all 
cookie cutters. They pretty much touch upon everything you can imagine mm -hmm. uh, for paranormal activity. Yep. So the show's format consists of a series of five, seven to nine minute long stories per episode written to be enacted by actors in the same manner as one another. What is presented can often be difficult for the viewer to determine which story is based on true events and which ones were purely fabricated. Episodes typically last 45 minutes without commercials and were in an hour long block back when it aired on Fox. The host would introduce the visual puzzle or illusion to open up each story to stir the imagination of what could transpire next and then recap all the stories at the end, either stamping them with fact or fiction with big white letters with little to no explanation as to why the stories are deemed so. And I should also mention too that sometimes they give a little bit of elaboration when, you know, Frakes or the other host, James Brolin from season one would mention how, um, you know, they say it's true with like reference to newspaper articles or inspiration from like research made by Robert Trailins, who's apparently like the go-to author guy who, who fact checks all this stuff. So, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I don't think it's as uh, hard facts or hard fiction as you may make it out to believe upon first viewing. Uh, from from my understanding, from, um, there's actually quite a bit of it, uh, to be honest. But I, I would imagine most of this is just eyewitness accounts. So, I mean, somebody could have just completely made up a story and told Robert Trellis. But uh, there was, in, in prep for this, I was looking to see if there were any of these stories that were had some pen to paper for it and uh, mm -hmm. th there was a subreddit somewhere where uh, somebody had really done a deep dive and I, I don't know who they got in touch with but they said that they were able to get in touch with one of the creators of the show I don't know if it was a, a writer or but somebody who worked on the show and they were able to find out some of the stories uh, and some of the resources where they were talking about the show and it's a whole website if i can find it which i'm sure i can i'll put it in the description if anybody really wants to take a look at what these original sources were i suspect most of them were just word of mouth that somebody else had heard an urban legend or saw an urban legend and mm -hmm. and were recounting it which is still a cool story because that's what we're really watching is for these cool stories whether they're real or not real but um it's it's cool that there is some roots that have been documented in some form. Yeah, I, I think I remember coming across that website during my research too, um, because I noted that of all things, uh, one of the Ghost Bride-esque stories that I mentioned in last year's Patreon episode, Harold's Ghost Bride, uh, popped up again where uh, there was an urban legend where a lady died in her wedding dress because it was like laced with some weird toxic chemical. So, um, oh, yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah, yeah, it's creepy. Um, but getting back to all the info, um, it is worth noting because I mentioned it briefly before that the host of season one was James Brolin, and that season only lasted for six episodes. So it's kind of like they're testing out the format and trying slightly different things before they refined it uh, with Jonathan Frakes uh, across seasons two to four. The show initially struggled with ratings on Fox because the network would air it on Friday nights during the summer months with several weeks in between each airing. And uh, the last episode aired, you know, in 2002. And I think some people were even complaining that, you know, there, it's been like a year since the previous Beyond Belief. Where did it go? Um, but as we mentioned before, 
for whatever reason, it just didn't take off. Maybe it had a bad time slot. Everyone was out playing outside, getting with girls, eating ice cream. Who knows? Getting with girls. <laughs> whatever kids and adults do during the summertime that is more constructive. <laughs> I put the blame solely on Fox. Uh, mm -hmm. Because Fox has a very, very bad reputation of completely mm -hmm. ruining schedules for promising TV shows that still happens today. I, I was just going to say real quick, I remember The Simpsons and Critic um, constantly making jabs at Fox within their mm -hmm. show because of these issues that would arise. Everybody, I got bad news. We've been canceled. Oh, no. Peter, how could they do that? Well, unfortunately, Lois, there's just no more room on the schedule. We've just got to accept the fact that Fox has to make room for terrific shows like Dark Angel, Titus, Undeclared, Action, That 80 Show, Wonder Falls, Fast Lane, Andy Richter Controls the Universe, Skin, Girls Club, Cracking Up, The Pits, Firefly, Get Real, Freaky Links, Wanda at Large, Costello, The Lone Gunman, A Minute with Stan Hooper, Normal Ohio, Pasadena, Harsh Realm, Keen Eddie, The Street, American Embassy, Cedric the Entertainer, The Tick, Louie, and Greg the Bunny. Is there no hope? Well, I suppose if all those shows go down the tubes, we might have a shot. There was, uh, there's several, several shows uh, all across the network where they had a, pr a decent promise and premise. And, and there was something of a fan base that was trying to get started but they didn't have a set schedule and they would constantly move the show around and it failed to really get an audience. And that's not surprising to me. So I don't really think it was just because it couldn't find an audience. I think it's just because Fox couldn't handle commitment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. I'll just leave it at that. I was going to say something, but... <laughs> like a one-sided relationship here i show up every sunday for simpsons and x files and you can't give me beyond belief on friday where are you going whose channel are you in bed with what's this <laughs> no Corey, we were just <laughs> underpants um we we already talked about some some of the similarities and connections to uh, other popular media such as tales from the crypt um are you afraid of the dark of course uh, you might even stretch it to also Twilight Zone and Unsolved Mysteries with those similar anthology formats with like a more mystery thriller thriller kind of angle instead of flat out horror. So I think it, it's welcome within all those, even if it seems more tame by comparison with how, you know, they ramp up their scares and uh, mysteries and how they set the stage for the story, too. Um, just to segue into some changes across the seasons, because there are a few of them that happen as the show evolved. Um, season one, James Brolin, guy of silver hair. Don't know what he's doing now, but he, he looked pretty good on stage. Jonathan Frakes, our boy back here. Um, he was seasons two to the four. Uh, also season five, because he came back for that uh, in Germany. Um, some of the stories were also told by narrators if they had no directors or resources to film them, which I found very interesting. A couple of amp, uh, examples are these are the tales, the train and the Jeep from season one, where Brolin pretty much just sat on a stool and they read like cross dissolves between different angles of his face as he was telling the story to make it feel more immersive. 
Uh, which, you know, I, I commend them for being able to do that because at the end of the season, I'm sure they didn't have as much budget to pay for some of these World War II imagery and, like, yeah. rent giant trains to, you know, show their story. Um, you know, the factor fiction formatting was for um, on the screen also changed a little bit because um, in season one, they did, like, a quick roundup of, like, oh, this is true, this is false, and then they showed... Uh, like a recap. So if two of the five were true and the other three were false, then it showed like two back to back with both of them written fact on it and then fiction written on all three on the same screen. But in later seasons, it just did like one at a time factor fiction, which I felt was a much cleaner way of presenting it. Um, they also did title the the anthology tales as well so that you can refer to them by memory because in season one they didn't have any titles it was hard to guess unless i looked it up on like amazon video or tv guide or something mm -hmm. so that certainly helps you know sink into people's memories more rather than just an ethereal oh yeah i remember that one what happened in it <laughs> in addition there was a different setting that changed between seasons where the first season just had kind of a generic spotlight backdrop uh, and with some like dark shadows and they really relied on the gimmick of like the spotlights moving back and forth, which was later repurposed as a transition um, from the end of the stories back to Jonathan Frakes in the mansion. So I think that was a better use of, of footage there to without like losing any of the immersion. Um, of course, you have the, the narrators who um, was James Brolin for a couple of the first episodes and then later Don LaFontaine uh, who's the movie trailer guy uh, which I feel has a great fit with the show especially when it's and he's narrating it as we like see all this different abstract imagery that leads into that house uh, where the credits are and then you know later later it uh, changed to Lane Campbell in season four which didn't quite have the same impact but you know it I guess it got the job done um, they're, they're also, I also noted something interesting too, because this seemed to pop up during our season two, uh, watch, which coincidentally were like the most episodes we've seen out of all the episodes that we reviewed in preparation for this retrospective. Uh, sometimes there'd be like these weird coming up previews, uh, before commercial breaks where they'd from the stories. We'll tell you whether this story is true or false at the end of our show, but coming up next. I'm telling you, there's something wrong with that dog. Every time he howls, somebody in this building dies. We're not saying that he's a cause of it. We just want him out of here. When we return, the howling of a dog is the premonition of death on Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. Both Monica and I, we didn't like those at all because it kind of spoiled the fun and the mystery of what was going to happen that Jonathan Frakes introduced. And to me, it felt very similar to what they did with the first 15 episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark, where they had either in-between shots of the Midnight Society, like mid-story, or like started in the story before they actually did the submitted your approval Midnight Dust over the campfire thing, um, which just goes to show that if you keep things kind of cut and dry in order, um, the anticipation is more effective than just like breaking that momentum by taking yourself out of the story to set up it. I think the reason they did that, it's it's complete speculation, but I mm -hmm. think they just had extra time for those episodes. Uh, because this, if, if they finish the story and they have nothing else to add to it without 
adding more elements that would make the story longer than it really needed to be, they probably just added a couple of those coming up next. Because even within the episode, they didn't have coming up for every single next story. It was just for one story. And they they might have had it for two commercial breaks or maybe even one. But it was really inconsistent. And I think it was mostly just to fill the, the time gap that they had. Honestly, I would have been happy if we just saw him walking through different rooms of this mysterious mansion. <laughs> like, show us the armory, show us the bedroom, show us the kitchen, show us the study where you like to hang out naked. Come on, give us the full tour. Naked. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Living room, tiny room, arsenal. Well, obviously, since we're still talking talking about it today, uh, it does have quite a bit of a lasting impact, even if it was a cult classic, uh, as it's still popular in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, Fans, uh, fans mostly remember it today for its mysterious atmosphere and uh, play at home illusions, which, you know, as Monica mentioned in the beginning, you can you can get around uh, the TV with a group of friends and take notes and see like, oh, I got this one right or I didn't get this one right. I'm surprised uh, to see who who won the episode with scores, which, you know, we've we've tried a couple of times. <laughs> I'd always try to get a perfect run, but I'd miss like one or two. Um, I, I think social media. I did get a few perfect runs. You did. Oh. I did. I did. On um, I think Wait. I got about five perfect runs, not in a row, but I, I think there were about five episodes where I guessed all uh, what was real, Dang. what was not real. I was impressive. Really I think I got like myself. one at the most. <laughs> Brent is melting right now. If you can't see. <laughs> Alex got more than I did. No. <laughs> It's like you going to the temple after a tiebreaker, Legends of the Hidden of the <laughs> Temple. And I was like a second too late in the bus. So I'm like, no, it isn't Kirk Fogg. Come on, I run in first. I know the answer. Come on, I said it. It was the dog leash of Nostradamus. <laughs> uh, sorry, Brad. <laughs> I get very competitive. I think we all know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, of course, you know, the lasting impact online isn't just limited to these mm-hmm. episodes available mm-hmm. on streaming services. We, of course, have the memes. Like, that's how Jonathan Frakes was elevated from this show that most people didn't know about to something of godhood at Comic-Cons because, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we have popular videos where he, like, tells you you're wrong in different ways for 47 seconds. We got him asking you questions for 47 seconds. Uh, you know, we got him just walking different ways into the mansion and out of it. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you know way more than me because I'm less active on social media than you, Alex, but there's there's enough to go around to keep this guy a- alive, you know, with royalty checks based on the memes alone. <laughs> yeah, if they if they if memes made you money, this guy would be a millionaire. Yes, he would. <laughs> That's probably how he bought the mansion. He, he, he'd <laughs> he be a He'd be a meme-in-air. Meme-in-air, yeah. Meme-in-air. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to mention, if anyone's into video gaming, that there's a game called um, Mysteries Unknown, Birth of the Battlegrounds that came out in 2020. And um, he did a mockumentary series for the game where they filmed him in the style of Beyond Belief, um, explaining different mysteries and setting up this like these series of cases that you'd have to solve. So... Uh, if you have footage here, we can show that for our Slimesters in case they're interested. Because it does remind me a lot of like the Season 5 stuff that I've been seeing floating around the internet. And uh, obviously, you know, he's looking a little bit older now. 
but the the setting and design of the place where he's like telling us all the information is very spot on to what he used to do and then of course uh this has been going in my head every single time I watch an episode because <laughs> I'm a video gamer and I know both of us have played this game. Mm -hmm. But Kingdom Hearts came out around 2001, 2002. And there's a level in it called Hollow Bastion, which is like near the end of the game where you pretty much storm a castle and defeat some shadow figures called Heartless. And when you finally get into the castle after lots and lots of platforming, uh, you find a, a room that looks a lot like the study that Jonathan Frakes is in, where you meet up with Beast from Beauty and the Beast to kind of figure out what your game plan is uh, in terms of beating the next couple of bosses. But the music for that level, oh my God, it's like spot on to like the piano that plays at the beginning um, of the show leading up to like the, the main theme song. So if anyone wants to hear that, we can play a little bit of it here and you can make the comparisons for yourself or even check out the game. We've only got a couple of uh things left and then we'll get into some some questions for each other uh we are looking at trivia and easter eggs uh so one of the trivia that we have is the white house scene in the intro of later seasons of the show is the same exterior shot of one scene in the fifth story of the first episode called the dream house uh narrator campbell lane actually appears as a character named john august in his own season in the season four segment the cigar box the german version of the show has the narrator cut in between stories and uh, before beyond belief which i had referenced earlier jonathan frakes was most famously known for his role as william thomas Riker on star trek next generation and star trek resurgence which also has a ton of memes which are <laughs> all very fun and uh, one of the most mentioned historical relics in the show is the Titanic and James Cameron's Titanic broke box office records in 1997, grossing $2.26 billion. And uh, Beyond Belief also began in 1997. Coincidence? And uh, also, while there are no formal holiday specials for this show uh, there is a tale from season three episode nine called halloween in which a grumpy farmer is stalked by an even creepier trick-or-treater resembling the grim reaper yeah i watched that one a few times it's uh it's it's fun but in a, like oh i didn't expect that kind of way mm. um because the, the farmer basically just doesn't like getting trick-or-treaters at his house, despite the fact that he decorates for Halloween. Yeah. So what, what does he expect? <laughs> right. and when, whenever kids show up, instead of giving them candy, even though the wife gives them candy, he shows up with like a bloody meat cleaver after he just chops some chicken and puts in some weird, like um, disjointed looking fake teeth and scares them off. how I feel about that. I'm playing by the rules. 
yeah, it's very stereotypical, like hick farmer, which is strange. <laughs> <laughs> but one time when he does that, there's just this like very tall trick or treater in a in a black robe with a skull mask and a sickle, and he's just kind of staring at him intently with no movement. And he's like, "What? Aren't you a little old to be trick or treating?" And then of course he shows up in his house, you know, a few moments later and tries to kill him and things unravel from there. So if if you're looking for another spooky delight uh, after watching this episode of our podcast, uh, go check that one out on on this Beyond Belief series. And you just reminded me, uh, we did, we being my, my company I work for, we worked with the different businesses within our plaza to do a trick-or-treat a couple of years ago. And we worked with simple cremation which is exactly what it is what it sounds like it's a cremation business and uh we asked them if if they would like to be a part of it and they said yes absolutely so everybody had a representative from from their business outside on the sidewalk dressed in costume handing candy out to kids that guy was dressed as the grim reaper with a sickle and he wanted they wouldn't let him but he wanted to have the candy in an urn Oh my god. Which I thought oh, no, was hilarious. <laughs> they wouldn't let him do you it. You too though. can get an urn just like this when you die for our low, low prices. <laughs> oh um, we should also mention there are a few connections to Nickelodeon. I, I know it's a bit of a stretch, but it is there. So, hey, everything's connected. You just got to know where you look. And I'm all about that, uh, that fact finding. Six degrees um, of Nickelodeon. Pretty much, yeah. So I, I'm just going to mention a few of them here that I found throughout the series. Starting off, we have from Season 2, Episode 10, uh, Judge Roy Bean from the card game story also had a Legend of the Hidden Temple artifact, which was featured in Season 3, Episode 8 of the show, uh, which was the Thornwood Gavel. So there is, there's a fun connection there. We also have writers Naomi Jensen and Scott Peters, who have also written tales for Are You Afraid of the Dark, such as The Lonely Ghost, The Frozen Ghost, The Fire Ghost, and Old Man Corcoran. Basically, they're ghost story writers. Um, Naomi Jensen also wrote The Diner, Email, and Love Letter Over the Counter in Beyond Belief, while Scott Peters wrote The Apparition, which is the very first segment of the very first episode in Beyond Belief, Couch Potato, which is the story before Love Over the Counter, and Fire Station 32, which feels oddly similar to the Fire Ghost. We also have Jewel State of Space Cases and Are You Afraid of the Dark fame, starring as twins Shannon and Carly in Season 4, Episode 4, second segment, The Fine Line. In this story, the twins share a psychic link that warns Carly and her brother about Shannon's sudden car accident. Her tale ended up being related to a true incident with a pair of twins living in the Midwest in the early 90s. And lastly, for our Nickelodeon connection to Beyond Belief, in the Season 3, Episode 1 segment titled Blood Bank, we see shredded blood bags and even a vampire plummet from an upper story level of a hospital to his death. Very much like Are You Afraid of the Dark's The Tale of the Night Shift, which we recently covered in our Vampire Episode Battle Triple Threat over on Patreon. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of an overlap here when it comes to story writing and and the horror anthology genre, but it's it's fun to find these things out when you come across them by chance. Uh, of course, you can watch the series on Peacock, the streaming service, and uh, Film Rise's true crime YouTube channel where all the episodes are available for free. 
On various free channels such as Tubi, Voodoo, Pluto TV, and Crackle, you can also find them. So you basically have zero excuse not to watch Beyond Belief if you want to get into it, you know, either before or after watching this episode. For anybody who really likes physical media, they do have the first season on DVD. Mm -hmm. At least that. It came out in 2007. Why they didn't release the rest of the seasons? I have no idea. Fox. Yeah. It was Fox also the reason why season three Pete and Pete never came to DVD? Yes. No, that's, that's no, probably it's actually, sure. It's actually another company featuring a mountain. enough banter um let's ask some questions yes uh what do you what do you guys find most entertaining about watching beyond belief Monica? honestly the the stories you know there are certain stories where you're like oh please be false please be false and it ends up being true and then you see like the whole shock like just especially if you're watching with other people or even with yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, please be fiction, please be fiction. And then all of a sudden it's it's true. Because, you know, the way Jonathan Franks, he like, the, the way he like words it, he's like, he's like, oh, did you think this tale of the boy who came back from the dead is a work of fiction? You're wrong. <laughs> this actually happened. And then everyone's like, <gasps> Did you think our research staff found a story inspired by an actual event? Not this time. It's the creation of a writer. And it, yeah. Yeah, he pulls a 180 on us quite often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that would probably be the most entertaining thing that I find about this show, just like the whole shock factor. I like the different styles of stories. Um, because, oh my gosh, there are some silly, there's some silly stories in there. <laughs> I mean, there's some... There's some really dark, I mean, really, really dark moments. And uh, now being a father, there's quite a few stories involving kids. And uh, sometimes those were, I mean, yes, it's 90s. And yes, you have that 90s cheese factor that goes along with the show. But even then, story-wise, some of these I'm going, oh, man. Yeah, uh, it, it, yeah. I know it's... It could be real. It could not be real. It could be someone just making up a story for claiming that it's real. But still, the the idea that some of these kids, this, this something like this could really happen. Uh, you, you take the supernatural element out. Like there was one where a kid uh, was was very very ill, and he was attached to a teddy bear, and loved loved the teddy bear. You you take the supernatural element out of that, and and just focus on the kid and and what he went through. I mean, things like that happen, and that hurts. And it's like, oh god, uh, yeah. I, I don't like listening to this one. It's there, there's a little too much dose of reality with with some of these. Yeah. I I definitely felt that way when I listened or watched the Buenos Dias one in particular, where like the little girl's trapped in the rubble of a house after a hurricane. And, uh, you know, she thought her grandfather was calling out to her to, like, lift her spirits. But it turns out it was his, like, pet parrot. And his dead body was found, like, not too far off from the wreckage. And I'm like, oh, no. Why'd you have to go there? Yeah. 
very heartbreaking. And which, you know, is that's what they're going for. You know, they, they go for the heartstrings in some of these because you know, not all it's it's a horror anthology series. So, of course, they're so they're going for the shock and the uh, also the um, the the heartstrings and just the the pure sorrow for some of these. Yeah. And then there's some that actually do have something of of a happy ending by the end of it sometimes. Uh, and some of them are just, oh, they're so silly. And it, it makes me laugh. Borderline stupid. <laughs> yes. Because some of these, the, the, even though the story they say was true, the dialogue that they would write for some of these stories, I'm going, what are you doing? This has got to be a fiction story because no one talks like this. This is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. Uh, like the, the the one where the uh, kid was in a funeral parlor and he let the the ghost in, not realizing that was him, and then he's in the in the casket. But I mean, at one point, the dad answers the phone and says, "Hi, we're closed." And I'm going, "Why'd you answer the phone then?" Foster Funeral Home. Um, I'm sorry, we're closed. Yeah. yeah. The writing for some of these, as in dialogue was really really dumb in some of them some of them are co- highly comedic and they don't mean to be but there's also some very dark disturbing eerie and some of these are just downright beautiful and sentimental and heartbreaking all at the same time uh like the uh story of the mom i'm sorry the uh the dad and the daughter who were at a restaurant that was closed down and mom had called them both from the grave to go to this one place uh, and it was her way of getting the family together one more time before mm-hmm. she, her spirit left. And it's it's a beautiful, sorrowful story. In a restless world like this is, love has ended before it's begun. But there, there's a variety, a big, big variety of supernatural stories. And I like that even within one episode they're all different and you get a flavor for all kinds of different things and i really like none of them are gory none of them are excessively violent and none of them are big boo scares they're just a good story and even the ones that aren't good you're still laughing and enjoying yourself at how bad it is you can't go wrong you're enjoying yourself no matter what emotions you're feeling in the moment very much like Are You Afraid of the Dark too. Even some of the more laughable episodes, it's it's fun to make fun of them. <laughs> yes, very much. Um, what do I find most entertaining about this show? You got your boy Jonathan Frakes <laughs> smiling like he knows a secret or like he got us. I mean, <laughs> how can you resist that smolder? He looks better than Flynn from Disney's Tangled. All right, listen. I didn't want to have to do this, but you leave me no choice. Here comes the smolder. Uh, with the way he cracks a smile. <laughs> um, but jokes aside, I I think it just has to do with the atmosphere and the music. More than anything, I really love how they build uh, a scene through the cinematography, the camera angles, uh, the music that really lends itself to a specific type of emotion. Uh, most people wouldn't really pick up on that because they're there for the story, which I don't blame them. But for me, it's all about composing a, a kind of space that you want to inhibit 
when dealing with certain types of stories, whether it's like a thriller or like something that's more sorrowful or something beautiful. All these elements really lend itself to that. So I really love the, the music and the camera work for some of the favorite ones that resonated with me. Yeah, the atmosphere uh, for these are great. I also want to mention... Sorry, what? I said the atmosphere for these are great. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I also want to mention to you guys, have any of the stories ever actually given you nightmares? Uh, obviously, you didn't really see it as a child, Alex. I hardly remembered it, so just... Did any of them stick out to you in your mind when you went to sleep today, Monica? Any give you nightmares as a kid? Uh, not necessarily nightmares. Um, there are a couple that stand out to me, and I think about. Mm, it's it's one of my notable stories. Should I just go ahead and mm. mention it? Well, we'll get there soon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um. These, these episodes, they're not scary enough to really mm. perturb me in my sleep. So uh, I think it's safe to say that you can watch this today as an adult and not really have mm. any trauma as a result. I don't know. I, I'm more fascinated with the supernatural element. I'm that moron who in a horror movie goes into the room that you're not supposed to be going into. I'm that idiot. Uh, because there was, uh, I was with some friends over in Owensboro. I just finished a play and over at this, uh, another theater and it's been converted into, uh, it was a church that was converted into a theater. The other actors were going, why are those lights on? There's nobody over there. Did, did somebody go over there? And they were claiming, I swear there's a ghost that lives there. And we've heard it sometimes. I've I've spoken to it. It has spoken to me. Like they they will they swear. And I, and I looked over at my buddy and said, "You gonna go over there and see what's turning the lights on?" He said, "Yeah, sure." And the two of us went over there and started checking the place out. And the everyone else stayed grouped in one area. And he and I are walking through the dressing rooms in the dark, and we're we're asking questions, waiting for something supernatural to happen. And nothing ever did while we were there, but I think we were strangers and she didn't know who we were yet. But, uh, so whenever I watch stories like this as an adult, no, they don't bother me. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to me, uh, because I don't discount supernatural elements, but I like to do process of elimination of, oh, what else could it be? It might be something else first. And then once all possibilities are eliminated, then you have supernatural things that, that could lead to what really happened. But as a kid, yes, this would have absolutely given me nightmares uh, because it's not what you see. It's what you don't see and your imagination taken over. And much like Brett, I had a, a, a very vivid imagination and uh, m much to my uh, assistance in many areas and dismay in others. And it, it would have really messed with me as a kid for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all about um what what specific parts really stick with you and just kind of feed into your deeper fears or anxieties. Like uh one of the ones on my picks that we'll talk about in a moment uh really stuck out with me because of its unnerving feeling. Mm -hmm. If you were to host a show instead of Jonathan Frakes or James Brolin, what do you think you would do differently to make it more engaging but retain some of the same charm? I'll go ahead and answer this because I'm not much of a talker. 
So mm -hmm. I would not be hosting the show. <laughs> <laughs> I would be, I, honestly, I'd probably be one of the writers on the show. Mm -hmm. I'd be more behind the scenes. Um, but I think Jonathan Frakes with his like cheesy, like dad jokes and puns. It, it's just so funny. It's just like the way he smile, the way the smile grows, like, let's see if Brett can do it. I think you have to like say something and then leave an awkward pause and then he smiles in it before they cut away. Like, um, you think that was true? Not this time. We made it up. <laughs> like he's waiting for the camera to cut away. Stop looking at me. That's his cue. <laughs> uh, lastly, uh, after all the stuff that we've covered about the show, do you feel it's still timeless or timeless in general? I do. I feel the show is just as timeless as Are You Afraid of the Dark? And uh, we're, I, I, would, I would say Tales of the Crypt is pretty much timeless too. Uh, because, I mean, Tales of the Crypt had uh, a reliance on um, practical effects. Whereas, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark did have some CGI that they were using, very early 90s CGI. But at the base of it was a strong story. And uh, the thing about this show is they didn't really have a reliance on CGI. I mean, there there was some, but most of it, no. And even then, it was very, very minor. They mostly just relied on clever shots uh, and strong storytelling. And none of it was really centered on being in the 90s uh because i mean some of them were just oh this happened a long time ago and and then they would they're just this could happen any one of these things could happen at just about any time point in time so it, it's it's the stories that really keep it timeless yeah aside from like a few technology things like computers or like car phones <laughs> you know just little glaring pieces of uh culture that you recognize from a specific time period there's really nothing that makes it stand out in any particular era like even the clothes that the actors wear are all generic enough that it you could think that it ha takes place now or like in the 2000s or even in the 80s if you want to um, for the most part it's i really appreciate it for its ability to to focus on the storytelling and then build around it so that um, it sucks you in and doesn't rely too too much on the special effects the only thing that really ties it to the 90s with me is the fact that there were several times when you had actors who were, they, they were not A-list actors from other movies and TV shows, but they were typically small bit parts or supporting characters from other bigger movies and TV shows. And I go, oh yeah, I saw you on Broken Arrow. You know, just things like that. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, you were from that movie that I saw in the 90s. But, yep. it, and you don't know the dude's name. It's just, oh, I recognize your face. You were in everything yep. at this time period. And out, outside of that, it, that's really it. Yeah, that's like the metagame to play in addition to whether the whether the stories are true or false. Like, who do I recognize here that I can point out, yeah. <laughs> if at all? Uh, so we're going to get to a fun part of this episode, which is uh, mentioning some of our notable stories. And I mentioned stories, not episodes, because there's five stories per episode. So if we did that, we'd be here all night. Yeah. Uh, so for the sake of brevity, uh, we'll each mention some of our picks and why they stood out to us. Uh, starting off with me, uh, this, oof, 
this one's at the top of my list. It's called The Gravedigger's Nemesis, and it's from season three, episode three. And what made it stand out to me were the characters. Uh, essentially, you ha have this guy who's like a really crummy boss uh, who's in charge of grave diggers who are like burying coffins. And uh, one of them contains this super creepy lady with like a weird like echoey modulation on her voice where she's like saying a chant uh, about respecting the dead to the, the gross cemetery guy who reminds me a lot of Barf from You Can't Do That on Television. Like he's got just sunken eyes and he's all greasy and messy hair and he likes to drink a lot and um it, it's one of those tales where like it's you get your comeuppance for for how you treat other people he treated like everyone around him like crap and then as a result uh when he was like unceremoniously like tossing coffins into uh open graves just to hurry up the job rather than to treat treat the process with dignity um you know, one of the coffins ended up being the the lady who was haunting him and just seeing her like face um, amongst the the broken coffin hood just suddenly open her eyes and stare at him and cause him to fall into the grave and die on the spot. Reminded me a lot of that abusive uncle character from Are You Afraid of the Dark's The Tale of the Dangerous Soup. So uh, that resonated with me on kind of like an unnerving level. I also want to mention the apparition from season one, episode one. Um, it's a great ghost in the mirror tale where murder was essentially stopped by a woman in a mirror who keeps showing up that the owner of the house lady uh, notices. And the big twist at the end, which I don't know if I want to spoil it for you or not. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, we end up seeing her later in the paper that Jonathan Frank's holding up, but you can put two and two together there if you want to see the whole story for yourself. We also have Bright Light from Season 2, Episode 6, which is surprisingly similar to a scary story to tell in the dark story called High Beams, in which, uh, you know, both are derived from an urban legend referred to as Killer in the Backseat. And you got this guy who's, like, chasing this lady in a car, trying to pursue her uh, after they met at, like, a pit stop type of bar after she got gas. And uh, she's freaking out because he keeps honking and driving and course when she gets out and he he walks up to her this big hulking man who looks like uh undertaker from wwf pulls out a shotgun and he's like freeze and then of course the guy in the back comes out and you know it's obviously meant for him and she's like oh i'm the the big tall guy's like oh i'm so sorry i i didn't mean to honk at you i was trying to get your attention because the guy in the back car was gonna the back seat of the car was gonna kill you like she didn't knife in the rear view mirror like i don't know the clincher for the whole thing though after this big intense thing and she's still got a lot of anxiety going on at the moment he looks at her at the very the last line so can we still get that cup of coffee maybe now we can uh, have that cup of coffee yeah what are you looking at turn around <laughs> Such an abrupt character change. Uh, no, you just tried to point a shotgun at me. <laughs> but he saved her life. No. <laughs> I also have creepy comics from season three, episode eight, which surprisingly had a oh guess. Gosh. That, that one creeped me out. It had a very gr Gassy Grinner vibe to it because this guy who like draws comics for 
uh, his manager, who oddly enough looks like Craig Bartlett or a relative of him, <laughs> uh, he ended up passing away, committing suicide uh, by jumping off a bridge. And then when his manager goes to collect the, the work that he was supposed to get done for him that was sent to him via a package or envelope, uh, he's like looking at all the, all the pages and noticing his fate un unravel just like uh, you know, Ethan reading the comic book and seeing all these things happening to him in real life. But the clincher is that this guy actually comes back from the dead, just drenched in seaweed. He looks like a, a water demon from Are You Afraid of the Dark, just all wet and sopping and like pale and sunken eyes. And he's like, you killed me. And it, it really, it really will jolt you if you uh, sit down to watch oh that gosh. one. I remember he kept saying like, you scared yet? Mm -hmm. You scared yet? Mm -hmm. Are you scared yet, Kip? Am I scaring you now, Kip? Is he no, no? Did I have to die to scare you, Kip? Ah. Are you scared, Kip? Practically oh. gave him a heart attack. It's one of those other instances where the antagonist turns on uh, a character and they just kind of die there right on the spot conveniently before the end of the tale. Um, also, oddly enough, the the comic guy's last name is Wilson, and I have experience drawing comics, so I don't know what's going on there, but it uh, might be a connection. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, I had to mention this one because this is so silly and over the top, and it reminded me of Monkey Man from Hey Arnold, who's <laughs> like this hobo hero of a, of a myth. It's called Magic Mighty Man. It's from season two, episode six, and it's basically this this nerdy guy named Larry just kind of taking a speed walking stroll through the woods and these two teenage punks pick on him and like take his glasses, watch and all that stuff. And then he, he like just grieves with this homeless lady who pushes around a cart who, who kind of looks like the lady from home alone Two, uh, lost in New York. <laughs> and then, you know, <laughs> she, she ends up getting the, giving him this superhero costume because I think he's essentially, essentially stripped down to his boxers by the bullies for God knows why. And, um, you know, because he's wearing that god-awful looking suit that looks like he, he's a reject superhero from Attack of the Mutant in Goosebumps. I am the Waffler. With my griddle of justice, I bash the enemy in the head or I burn them like so. Oh, don't do that. I also have uh, my truth syrup, which uh, is low fat. He, uh, he, he runs into the bullies again in the woods, and because of the way he's dressed, he, he believes that he's a superhero. And so suddenly he gets these, this sudden like Superman strength to pick them up and toss them around. And he's just kind of standing there like, yes, I am a superhero. And he's, as I'm staring straight into his like tattered M sewn onto his chest. It's <laughs> what is this? <laughs> that was the episode. It was that moment when he was going full mighty man that Sam walked in and was watching over my shoulder and went my nine year old with a furrowed brow goes, what are you watching? <laughs> yeah it's it's a little too far-fetched even for this series but i had to mention it because of how ridiculous it was yes i almost mentioned that one too what are your picks alex uh so uh, these are ones that were just the most memorable uh, i'm not saying that all these are good 
<laughs> they just, I remembered these the most out of all the ones that I had seen so far. And uh, I, I, like I said, I only got to about the end of season two. So I'm still missing like three episodes and then season three. But uh, the I really, really liked Dreamhouse. Uh, and in this one, there is a woman who's been having dreams about the absolute perfect dream house while her and her husband are going, doing some house hunting. And um, I, I, I won't spoil the ending for you, but uh, she she does eventually find the house in her dreams and she starts going through it and checking it out. And uh, the, the realtor is just amazed how she knows everything without even looking into everything. It's a really cool story. And I think because the fact that I've just been recently house hunting and uh, that's really fresh with me, even though I've been in this house for uh, two years, but still it's, it's, I, we were house hunting for a lot longer than that. So it's, it's a big one, Uh, but (laughs) couch potato. This almost makes my list for silly entry. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, so this was season one, episode three. And this, it, oh my gosh, it is the dumbest. One of the dumbest stories. Uh, I'm I'm watching this thing going, this has to be fake. There, there's no way. Uh, where it's comedically awful because all this guy does is sit down and watch TV and refers to the TV as like his best friend. His wife keeps trying to get him off the TV so they can go do things together and he's not even paying one bit of attention to anything she says. And the clincher was, she's leaving. She, she's she got all her stuff together and she's about to go out the door and he's crying and of course I know where the punchline's going but she's <laughs> she's like oh are you you really upset by this aren't you he's like please be quiet they're about to shoot the dog <laughs> <laughs> old yeller huh? and, and the eventually the TV ends up saving his life because he's this giant fat man but it's it's so stupid and it's it made me Face palm so many times watching this one. And it's one that I would like to get together with some friends and give them all a few shots before I show them this episode. <laughs> this is this is like um Captain Picard's face palm meme. Yes. That, like Jonathan Frakes yes. because he managed to introduce a tale so bad. Like, why did you leave Star Trek for this? <laughs> <laughs> And and much like that, going along the same same as uh, oh, this is so ridiculous. Uh, my third one was the wrestler from season two, episode four, where even this whole time I'm going, what is this? This is not at all like any other story throughout the rest of it, which is essentially a story about an underdog boxer or wrestler, and he's been told to take a dive, and it's his last fight, and he he doesn't, and ends up winning the day, which is fantastic. And we've heard these underdog stories before. And the thing that really gets me is this was uh, part of the, uh, the episode that was all about stories that tied into Friday the 13th. And uh, the the clincher, I don't care. It, it, do some hate comments in the in the comment section that I spoiled this wonderful episode for you. I don't care. But he mm-hmm. end, he ended up killing the other boxer or other wrestler, and he didn't realize it. And he kept wrestling the guy for another twenty minutes, 
And then uh, it just so happens to be that the day they fought was on Friday the 13th. I was like, okay, this whole thing. No, there's no way. This is, there's way too many coincidences. Uh, no, this is, this is stupid. But the dialogue in this one was comedically bad. Hey, wait a minute, fellas. This was set in stone. Dirk wins tonight. It's the last bout of his life, for God's sake. You came in a loser. You're going out a loser. What's the big deal? Now listen, Grant. This was a done deal. I undid it. <laughs> it shouldn't be labeled fact or fiction. They should just have the big white letter stamp saying stupid. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and Couch Potato and Magic Money Man. <laughs> uh, my, my fourth pick, uh, and, and these other two I really do like. Uh, and we actually talked about this a little bit earlier in our trivia section, but it's the uh, the story called Titan, uh, which is from season two, episode eleven. And this story is about a, a an author who wrote a fictional story uh, about a disaster, and what he recounts is almost detail for detail what happens to the Titanic later in the future, and it's. It's a really fun story, but also the fact that it's real and also the fact that, that story is real and you can find it and you can buy it and read it. This this really did happen. And that's what I like so much about this one. I, I don't care what anyone says. The 1997 Titanic movie is garbage fire. I do not <laughs> like that movie at all, Sam. I am. But I loved the story and I, it's probably the, the, the best thing to ever... Uh, happen with the Titanic story, I should say. But um... just real quick, I want to piggyback off that. I really enjoy a lot of the ones that are based off of historical events. Like there's one yeah. about people who like nearly evaded a plane crash or something, but they ended up on the Hindenburg and it crashed, oh, yeah. which was pretty dramatic. And then there's another similar one to this where there's like a, a writer at a newspaper place and he was like afraid of losing his job but he had like a vision of an article he wrote and he just wrote furiously and he showed it to his editor boss and uh it turns out that he predicted like the eruption of krakatoa the volcano very oh, similar yeah, to I titan that. my my last pick is the portrait from season two episode one and i i don't know i i like the story i don't know if it's true they say it's true but there's no it's it's probably one of those uh, spread by word of mouth type stories. So it may be an urban legend more than anything. But uh, the the story is about a painter who has this ability that when he paints somebody's portrait, uh, they'll they'll die soon after. Uh, mm. Kind of the and he would only paint people who were older and were dying and were sick. So kind of his way to immortalize them and while also making it painless. And, and it's a, a pretty beautiful story in that regard. But uh, he ends up painting somebody's portrait who he should have, should not have done and uh, how it affects him uh, later in the story. It's, it's a really haunting story. I really like that. One. Monica, what are your picks? All right. Uh, so my first one is Red-Eyed Creature um, from Season 2, Episode 12. Um, so basically this new family, or sorry, this family um, moves into a new home. 
Um, and they end, it ends up being haunted by a um, terrifying creature with glowing red eyes. Um, and of course, I'm not going to spoil anything or like talk about the plot. You can check it out. But this one actually, when, uh, when you asked me earlier about if any gave me nightmares, this one didn't give me nightmares. It, it, it's very unsettling. Like mm -hmm. it stuck with me because that is something I actually kind of do fear when I like go downstairs or go into the kitchen at night. I'm like, I don't want to see something that shouldn't be there. <laughs> well, uh, it's a good thing that we don't turn on the red eyes of our skeleton that sits in our living room because he looks kind of creepy at 3 a.m. slightly glowing green. Yes, good thing we don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, that one. Uh, so yeah, check yeah check that out. That's a creepy one. I think the twist made it even creepier at the end, other yes. than just the alleged uh, creature that had it. Oh my gosh, yes, the the twist at the end. That was one where I was like, <gasps> and oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the second one is called Grave Sitting. It's um, season two, episode seven. Um, so friends make a bet with this girl named Melissa um, that she can't survive two hours um, sitting on a famous murderer's grave. And this one, um, this one is actually, this one is because, I mean, similar to you guys, I grew up and probably still have a very overactive imagination. And, you know, I'm trying not to like ruin the plot. But it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, she sits on the grave and she thinks she hears the voice of the the dead murderer that she's sitting on the grave. And, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, is it is it really him? Is it something you made up in your mind? You know, it, so many possibilities, but yeah, I don't want to ruin it. But that one's that one's a really good one. It reminds me when I used to walk in cemeteries with my friends in college at night. Like you always wondered, is is there something that's moving around, like a ghost just passing by, or you know maybe there are spirits talking when no one is looking. It's it's one of those things where the atmosphere really lends itself to the story more than anything because most people don't really go out of their way to sit in cemeteries, especially on a on a bet, but. Uh, if you tried it yourself, you might want to think twice, not knowing what could happen. Yeah, I feel like if I was in that situation, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't do it for that little amount of money. I think it was like $200 yeah. or something. It was like chump change now. Yeah. Also, cemeteries aren't well lit, so I'd it's it. not like you can see as well as they show it on TV. We'd have to, we have to go into the five figures to, you know, get me to consider <laughs> Got something. Got to pay rent, man. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, okay, my third one uh, comes from season three, episode five. Uh, it's called Curse. Um, so a rebellious teenager, uh, she practices witchcraft and it, you know, alarms her parents. So they send her to a psychologist to get her help. Um, and then without revealing the twist at the end, she learns a very important lesson from a very unsuspecting source. So that one is... Um, that one's kind of like a it's kind of got like a little bit of a moral um lesson to it so you know it's it's not all creepy on my list <laughs> although it is uh 
appropriate for the spooky season. Yes. You'll see what we mean when you watch it. Yes. Um, and then speaking of historical stories, um, my fourth one is called The Burial, season three, episode five. Um, so this is based on an actual historical story. I'm not going to spoil it. I mean, it, it, you know. It's American history. It's American history. There we go. That, I'll tell you that much. Um, it's a story about a woman who was prematurely buried, um, who that woman is and what happens afterwards. You'll have to watch the episode and see. But yeah, definitely I, I really enjoyed that one. Um, and then the last one is from season two, episode five. This one is called The Land. Um, and so this one, a farmer makes a deal with the devil in order to save his house and all of the farmland. In this episode, I remember when they show like the, the farmers, you know, he's trying to save his family. He's trying to save the farm and, you know, trying to save the land and get his crops to grow um, so they don't have to sell the house and, you know, lose everything. Like it's, it's a stormy night. Um, and he's out with a very strange person out in the fields doing, you know, making this deal. And um, the part that got me and that kind of like made my stomach drop a little bit is when they sh they show inside the house, they have crosses on the on the wall and they show that all of them are turned upside down. And that's when I was like, ooh, yeah, this, yeah. It, it, it was very like it, that it, part. It happened sudden and uh it's tied to the lightning strike that you'll see outside and it really it's it's another one of those tales that give you like an unnerving ooh, yeah. what's going to happen next because uh it does it does fall in line a little bit with the black magic involved with the are you fired the dark tale the tale of the silent servant which we covered way back in a early patreon bonus episode yeah and those are my picks like an evil field of dreams mentions uh the honorable mentions i have are the ones that i had mentioned previously uh about the dad and daughter at the restaurant and yeah there was a couple others i had mentioned but i can't think of any more right now okay there was a one about an old lady um that had like a special lock installed yes um and the and the guy who installed the lock said that you know nobody evil or like harm will not come to you like yeah you know, like you know I remember you can't that pass now. this door if you had this lock and so i yeah when her grandson needs to like get money from her and it was like out of bad intention like she's trying to open up the lock from the inside and it won't and that yeah. seems to happen whenever threatening people show up at her doorstep yep, yep. <laughs> There's, there's actually quite a few tales as well where it seems like there's divine intervention to uh, protect someone from harm. Yeah. Yeah, they're going along those lines because it did make me think of one and it was the pistol, which mm -hmm. I thought was hysterical uh, in, in the execution of the story, which supposedly was factual. But a uh, woman got a gun that will not shoot a good person. And uh, 
the sun, the, the coincidences in this thing are ridiculous. Uh, even though it may be factual, like, no, I call BS. Uh, yeah. but... <laughs> we need a BS stamp. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, her her son isn't from college, and she starts trying to open fire on her son, and it won't work. And then somebody ended up breaking into the house, and she drops the gun out of fear that she just tried to kill her son. And the gun tumbles down the stairs, and it shoots three times: twice while it's falling, and then once when it finally hits the ground, and it shoots the assailant who's breaking into the house. And that whole thing reminded me of. True Lies, when Jamie Lee Curtis has that Uzi and she drops it and it tumbles down the stairs and kills all of the bad guys in the room. But that's fun for True Lies. It's it's something else for Beyond Belief because it really <laughs> is not factor fiction, just something else. Beyond Belief. <laughs> yeah. Um, just quick honorable mention because I didn't get a chance to mention it earlier. Uh, I want to I want to call attention to the Impossible Car Dream because it's another rather ridiculous premise where, like, this rich guy is selling a car for a dollar. And this kid keeps having a dream of it, and he ends up like buying it from the the wife of like a rich executive who cheated on her as like revenge on him. So the kid ended up getting away with that car for a dollar after finding it in like a newspaper ad as like his first car as a teenager. And then the guy at the end shows up wondering where his car is. So it's like a fun, ha ha, we got you. Oh wait a minute, wasn't the executive like it didn't? The, his father worked for the executive and the executive yeah. Like, fired him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like the um what's the what's the term? Karmic retribution, something like that. Come that up sounds about right. Yeah. Like he, he got his just desserts. Considering the semi classic nature of the vehicle with the slick wheels and a custom paint job. Well, but the, the paint's faded. Yeah, but it's custom. It's custom faded? What is your first car? I wouldn't expect you to understand. Alrighty, well, I think we're going to stretch our legs and stroll down the hallway of the Victorian mansion to actually see what other rooms are here while Jonathan Frakes isn't looking. But when we return from this commercial break, uh, we have a few other things to talk about, including uh, listing some of the specials that they did for the show and a very special Splatatex segment that's exclusive to this Halloween episode. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a review on any apps that allow you to do so. And if you are watching on YouTube, please hit the like button, subscribe, make sure to hit that notification bell so you don't miss any of the slime-tastic action. Tune in next time, Slimesters, when we stroll off this Victorian mansion and into a chaotic comic book world as we join Henry and June to each pick out our top five Kamblam shorts. And no, we're not talking about Henry's shorts. <laughs> Which ones will appear in the coveted first issue? You can find all the retrorific action only here on Splat Attack. There's only a couple weeks left in Spooky Season, but over on Splat Attack, Spooky Season is still in full swing. 
Over on Patreon, we have an Are You Afraid of the Dark three-way versus between Night Shift, Nightly Neighbors, and Midnight Madness. You will only find this on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash splatattack to get access to this episode, as well as a backlog of many other episodes, bonus minisodes, live streams, behind-the-scenes footage, and more. If you enjoy the content that we share, then come join the Gakoids over on Patreon and make some new nostalgic friends. Just want to remind you all that we've got some pretty awesome shirts over on Bonfire. Go to bonfire.com slash store slash splat attack store with hyphens in between. We have quite a variety of different t-shirts. We've got our pretty standard Gakoid and Slimester t-shirts, as well as some that are inspired from the shows that we know and love, like Legends of the Hidden Temple, Clarissa, Double Dare, and many, many more. So head over to Bonfire and pick up some splat attack merch today. Now back to the Fox Coors Light Halloween Bash. Alrighty. Ah, uh, that was a fun run up and down the stairs. Uh, I, I was, it was really exciting to see, uh, you know, that bathroom upstairs that had that gold-plated bidet that shoots in five different directions. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I'm all all loosened up and limbered, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about some more specials. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. It's just when, when I thought of mansion, I thought of rich, fancy things, and I'm like, I don't know a bidet. And then this moment of uh, Ren and Stimpy popped in. Ren's like item, sorry, Stimpy's itemizing all these different things that Ren is trying to take from him, and he's like, Oh, you forgot the bidet. And I'm like, What is that? And then of course I found out later in life that's essentially like a, a fancy way of uh, cleaning your bottom. So squirt. All right, make your choice. Squirt. Let's talk about some specials, shall we? <laughs> Alex. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do have, which I had mentioned earlier in uh, one of my tales, or my tales, one of my stories, uh, that there there are a few specials that ran throughout the, the series. One of them was um, episode 10 or season to episode four, the the entire episode was stories that tied into Friday the 13th in some way. Uh, season two, episode 10, all of them are animal stories. Uh, season two, episode 11, there were all disaster stories. Uh, like one after the other, 10, 11, 12, season two, episode 12, a touch of evil special. And then we had two more, one over in season three, uh, that was on uh, episode six, which was the dream special. And then in season four, episode four, we have the sixth sense special. I wonder what movie was big at the time. <laughs> mm, I wonder. Die Hard? <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas season. I mean, they both have Bruce Willis. Well, for this... Uh, Halloween special and you've been coming up with some fun new segments for each of our Halloween episodes this spooky season. What is our special segment for today? Uh, it's very much in line with our retrospective and we decided to you know do our own take on it simply called Splat or Fiction. Splat or Fiction. So what we're going to do is uh, each of us are going to propose two stories to you, uh, Slimesters who are listening or watching on YouTube. 
the first Slimester who can email us and get all eight correct matches on whether our stories actually happened or whether they're made up, uh, we'll get an exclusive Patreon membership coupon, if we can figure out how that works, and also a prize pack containing stickers, candy, and a spooky art print from yours truly to make it a little bit interesting. It's very similar to the Guess That Artifact segment we used to do in uh, Season 2 or 3 of this podcast. Would it be uh, six correct matches? Yeah, I'd say six out of eight's fine, but I don't I don't want to be giving Do we away have eight stories. Well, no. Uh, Initially, it was eight because Jordy was going to join us, so yeah. it, yeah, it is yeah, six. My bad. So you got to get all six correct. Two phantom stories are no longer present. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, each of us will share some of our stories, and the viewers at home can determine: are these fact or fiction? Sorry, are these splat or fiction? Because this is splat attack, and we got to tie it in. All right, here's, here's the first story. Let's see what you can make of it. A long time ago, when I was just a toddler, one of my favorite places to go with my family was the Playscape, a massive playground made entirely of wood that looked like a medieval castle. I loved running across the bouncy trouble bridge and sliding down the spiral slide at the end, even if the metal burned my butt once or twice. It was my outdoor paradise, and it made me feel both safe and alive. One Saturday, my parents took me there for lunch. I had a sippy cup full of apple juice and a Ziploc bag full of carrots that kept me fueled the, for the entire afternoon of romping around the playground. It was my goal on this day to explore every nook and cranny of the castle so I can become king of the kids there, at least in my underdeveloped mind. I recall climbing down this small cramped area full of series of small cube-like frames uh, kids would use to crawl through and sometimes play hide and seek in. I saw someone there who didn't look my age. He was crouching with his back against the wall, looking left and right constantly with his hands clasping his folded knees. I approached him curiously, wondering who he was. As I approached him, he turned to me and asked, Hey kid, have you seen my friends? I'm playing hide and seek with them. I looked around on both sides of the wooden cube area. No taller people around, just kids my age running around. I replied that I hadn't seen anyone he's looking for. He replied, can you help me find them? I didn't know what to say. I just winced at him. He extended his hand and told me to lead him out of the playground to get a better look. He grabbed my hand and we walked out of the claustrophobic area and outside of the barricade of wood chips to the entrance. As we crossed the wooden threshold of the park sign above, I heard my dad shout to me, get over here quick. That man's a stranger! Having barely any time to register what was happening, I turned up and looked at the man who was now gripping my arm with superhuman strength. He ran across the pavement to a black van parked a few hundred feet away, my dad shouting and my mom screaming behind him. In an instant, I was thrown into the van, and the side door slammed shut on me. The man fumbled to buckle my seatbelt, and I faintly remember him telling me, we're going to a better place where neither of us would be bothered. My heart sank, and I banged on the glass screaming, help, help, as my dad sprinted towards the van. The ignition started, and before the van could peel out of the parking spot, my dad burst through the driver's window with a rock and ripped the man right out of the seat, throwing him to the ground and pummeling him until unconscious. As my mother scrambled over to retrieve me, I heard the sound of police sirens as they entered the parking lot. My mother walked us back to the park, and I just stared at the incident I was caught up in confused 
Was I just kidnapped? Fact or fiction? What do you believe? You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it is a total fabrication. <laughs> no, Slimester's uh, ringing with us on social media, and uh, when we announce, you know, a couple days after the episode releases, um, we'll let you know who got it right. If anyone got it right. Yes. So here's story number two. One afternoon, when I was visiting my grandma, she told me to bring up some of her belongings to the living room and organize them with her, but to stay out of the basement corner where the black curtain was hanging. I wasn't interested in helping. I would rather watch TV or play outside in the backyard. She sweetened the deal, though, by telling me that if I helped her, she would reward me with a box of push-up pops. Fun fact, I love to eat those, especially the orange sherbet ones. I agreed to help her. Together, we carefully stepped down her incredibly creaky stairwell to a pile of random junk pushed up against a concrete wall in the basement. As she ordered me to look for tapes labeled with the years 1991 and 1992, I gingerly poked and prodded the pile, hoping I could recover the tapes without getting my fingers covered in nasty dust or cobwebs. I found one, then I found another. It was like a scavenger hunt, and after a few minutes, it became fun to look for them. Thinking I'd be rewarded with more push-up pops for a bigger pile, I looked for more tapes nearby. But then I saw something that stopped my progress. Something from behind the black curtain in the dark corner of the basement bellowed. I asked her what was over there, but she said nothing but more junk and a dresser. I looked back, and the bellowing stopped. We went upstairs to relabel the rest of her tapes, but then I remembered I had forgotten my pile. After all that work, too. She continued to write her labels on her VHS tapes in the living room and told me to fetch the rest so we can finish by dinner. When I re-entered the basement, one of the upper steps broke and I tumbled below. Suddenly, the lights turned off and I was alone in the basement. I could hear the furnace turn on the other end and then the curtain belled once more. Though this time, it sounded like a huge creature waking up. I got up and ran through the other door since I couldn't reach the one up top of the stairwell and frantically pressed the garage door opener hoping the creature wouldn't get me. Just as the garage lifted enough so I could crouch under, I could see a black creature dash at me. I slammed the cellar door shut and slid the, under the garage door, then pressed the outside button to shut it. <sighs> Out of breath, I returned inside. My grandmother handed me a push-up pop, and I demanded to know what kind of creature she was keeping in the basement. She told me there wasn't any creature there, but she did have a dog named Benji that was buried on the property before the foundation of the house was poured 15 years ago. Fact or fiction? What do you think, Slimesters? My two stories, which are considerably shorter, yeah, I like to elaborate. <laughs> yeah, mine are short, too. <laughs> uh, for for my first tale, all my life I have been told that I looked like my uncle. The older I became, the more my body changed, the more I heard this claim. One day as a teenager, I finished my shower, began to dry off, and I wrapped a towel around my hair and leaned up against the wall and began to study my face in the now semi-fogged mirror. And that's when I noticed, while somewhat still in the shadow, 
that I saw my face slowly begin to change, and it looked like my uncle's. But when I stepped into the light, my face returned. Now, was my body truly changing to end up looking like my uncle, or was I just imagining what could be after all the accusations that I've been hearing? Fact or fiction? Second story. I spent a lot of time in prayer when I was in college, yearning to have a closer relationship with God. One day I was on my way to college, and I had a feeling that God was trying to tell me something, but I didn't know what. So when I got to college, I stayed in my car, and I prayed for a few minutes, and then decided I'm going to listen for God's word. And now, I got this idea that I should not go to class. But I thought I was just making up a silly excuse not to go, so I decided... I'm going to go to class, and then when I'm done, I'll come back and I'll spend more time in prayer when I'm not on a time schedule and just listen. But upon entering the building, my professor walked past me and asked, didn't you get my email? And I said, no, I haven't. And my my professor had informed me that class had been canceled that day. So was I really learning to hear God speaking to me and telling me that there is no class, don't even bother? Or was this just a pure coincidence? Fact or fiction? And I I will also say this uh, before we, we go to Monica's uh, two stories. Uh, I do have a very, very lengthy uh, beyond belief story uh, that I'm not going to recount here uh, because we'll be here for well over an hour. <laughs> I can guarantee Aww. you. But it is it's a sad story and a beautiful story at the same time. And it is true. It is something that happened to me. So I'm going to preface this. Uh, Slimesters, if you really want to hear a truly beyond belief story that is real, and uh, I'd be happy to talk about, sound off in the comments below. Let me know if you want to hear it, and I will record a spinoff episode, a one-shot to this one, to, to, to tell you my story. So there's that. Moving on to Monica. Um, so my first story, um, so this story actually takes place about a year and a half ago, uh, when Brett and I went to go visit his grandmother in Connecticut. Uh, so while we were at her place, uh, I noticed this doll was sitting in this box and, you know, I, I made a comment like, oh, it's a pretty doll. Um, and, you know, and she told me it belonged to a family member of hers. Um, and so, you know we were meeting his grandmother um, and she and I were bonding. Um, so she graciously actually gave me the doll. Um, and I know it meant a lot to her. Um, so, you know, so I, you know, we took the doll um, and then of course we took it back to our um, apartment in Memphis, Tennessee, where we were living at the time. Um, so Brett knows this, but I am actually not much of a collector. Um, I don't like to really keep things like I'm more of a minimalist but um so you know when we brought this doll back home with us um you know that I just don't have shelves in the apartment you know I, I was just trying to figure out where to put it so we just kind of kept it on the kitchen counter until we could just find a place to like you know, display it like either on like the tv shelf or you know on a dresser or something of course you know life got busy and so the doll just kind of hung out on the kitchen counter, like, you know, just like things that you don't really think about, just kind of hanging out there. And of course, neither one of us is paying much attention to it. Um, 
So one night I got up to drink some water and I noticed the doll was sitting up on its own facing our bedroom. And, you know, without contacts or without glasses, I'm kind of blind, but I could have sworn I saw it sitting up. And, you know, I was also too sleepy. So I didn't really think much of it until I woke up um, the next morning and I saw the doll was lying flat, how we left it. And it was just laying flat on the counter. So after that, you know, I started noticing like weird noises. And, you know, even when I was in the kitchen, I just had a feeling it was watching me, even though it wasn't facing me at all. So I ended up getting too creeped out and we ended up donating it. So did I imagine it or does it really have a mind of its own? Fact or fiction? Donated it to the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> Same place where we put the night shift coffin. <laughs> <laughs> the right in the incinerator. So my second story, um, it took place in around like 2019. Um, so I used to actually travel for work and back then it was just um Mikau, who was my dog at the time <laughs> um so i used to bring Mikau with me um when we when i would stay in a hotel for work um and you know usually our our nightly routine you know before work you know we would before bed i would take him out for a walk um and go around the hotel um you know there's there's these bushes that back up to trees like it's kind of like a wooded area um and so that's you know our nightly routine and then you know he does his business we go back into the hotel go to sleep then you know take him with me to work um so one night you know i was taking him out and Nikau was acting really weird so he was on edge you know, with his hackles standing up and hackles is like the, the hair on the back. Um, and he was fixated on the bushes and, you know, it, it was really dark. I couldn't really see anything. And so I was just like, okay, maybe it's a squirrel. Maybe it's some type of wild animal or whatever. Um, but I knew something was wrong when he started barking. And if you know anything about Nikau, he almost never barks. And so this was really, really alarming to me. So I immediately pulled him away because he was being super loud. And I was just, you know, at this point, I was like, okay, he's barking, something's up, I don't know. So we went back into the hotel and we went to sleep. I'm like, whatever, you're not, you're not going to go tonight. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so a couple hours later, um, I noticed that there was like flashing red lights that were coming through the window. And so, you know, woke us up. And, you know, I stepped outside of the hotel room because I could hear people in the hallway. And um, I saw that there were like other confused guest hotels. So this lady, one of the guests, um, you know, she comes from outside, she comes over to us and she said, um, you know, the police are out there and with the ambulance and all these people. And they actually found a dead body out by the bushes. And they suspect that the victim was recently killed. Fact or fiction? Quite a fun assortment of tales we've told tonight. <laughs> well, Slimesters, if uh, you have any idea of which ones could be true and which ones could be left in the gutter of falsehood, let us know via email at splatattack2021 and submit your answers. And 
you know, probably after the end of the week of uh, the since the release of this episode, we'll tally up any emails we get, and uh, you know, whoever's the first one to get it right will get a Halloween prize pack. So uh, play along if you like to have fun, or just guess uh, for the heck of it with uh, no prizes coming your way. <laughs> bragging I mean, rights. If you don't want to go through all the effort, just play for fun. <laughs> yeah, bragging rights is good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we like to play Beyond Belief for bragging rights. <laughs> Mostly me. Mostly Brett, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, any, any final thoughts, guys, before we leave Jonathan Frakes to um, fiddle around with his many, many toys and artifacts of the Victorian Mansion? The series is free on YouTube. Go check it out. It's really, really interesting and really fun and a perfect series, anthology series of spooky tales right at spooky season. Check it out, please. I, I echo that sentiment. Um, if you love Are You Fear of the Dark, Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt, Unsolved Mysteries, anything within that realm of mysterious and paranormal, it's it's worth watching. Even if there are a few silly moments and cheesy puns, it's it's all in good fun. You'll have a good time experiencing this with family members. Yeah, every one of the series that we know and love anyway already has some really silly episodes. I mean, so it's it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. It's worth your time. You don't even have to put any money into it. All right, Slimesters, I think we're going to finally head on out. But before we go, here's our closing question for this retrospective. What stories from Beyond Belief do you most vividly remember and why? Write to us via email at splatattack2021 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at splatattackpodcast. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Splatattack Podcast, because, you know, why not? You want to get updated on lots of fun episodes we cover. Or you can just interact with us wherever you find us on social media. Facebook, Twitter, we got a Patreon, tons of bonus episodes and mini-sodes over there that are worth checking out for the spooky season as well. A lot of fun topics. Um, you know, just engage with us. We like to have fun. We like to celebrate the 90s, uh, just like many, many other people online. So give us a go and uh, share it with a friend or two. You have nothing to lose. Thanks again, Monica, for joining us today. I know it's uh, always a treat to have you back, especially for spooky season. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before we go? What do I have? Well, you're a patron on, on uh, I'm mean, sorry, you're a Gakoid on Patreon. So what, what's your experience of uh, experiencing the extra content like? No, it, it's awesome. Um, it, it, it's honestly like, you know, splat attack times two because you get, you know, double the, the content on Patreon. And, you know, if you enjoy the content on the main timeline, you're definitely going to enjoy the content on Patreon, especially my favorite episodes like the Michael Jackson, the Michael Jackson elimination bracket, and, and the bonus content, which shows the alternate ending. <laughs> oh, the ending! Yeah, we're not I mean, gonna, we're not gonna talk about that. you can choose to see it. Want to get some laughs? If you would rather. <laughs> play it straight then don't watch the alternate ending <laughs> but if you like to have fun and you like to roll on the floor until oh. you're late, watch the bonus content oh. and also a uh, dance scene <laughs> that uh, I'm not going to mention who someone tries to reenact <laughs> one of the music videos so 
I, originally I had filmed eight of them, but I only put two in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to pay me money, I can show you the other six. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Maka, it's been a treat, honestly. Thank you for introducing me to Beyond Belief. Alex, thank you for sharing the memories with us and uh, getting into the fun festivities of spooky season. Um, so let's let's close this puppy. Let's head on out from the Victorian mansion and disappear into the night. Until then, Alex, will you scrape the slime off the walls for us, please? I've got another optical illusion to solve. Aye, aye cool Captain. But... That's not an optical illusion. That's simply one of those swirl discs hypnotists use on unsuspecting audiences to do their bidding. Look closely. Oh. Oh. You kind of woozy. Must watch for 90s Nick content. I think he's bluffing. Do you? <laughs> oh my goodness what just happened to me I think oh. that was fiction was it I don't... <laughs> well with that being said splat you later slimesters and remember not everything you see is real it's up for you to decide now let me let me double check that uh interview conducted by author robert Trailins. <laughs> turn out to be? Were you able to identify fact from fiction or have we once again demonstrated that certain things in life can never be explained? They are the events that we must classify as beyond belief. I'm Jonathan Franks. Join us for more stories on Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction.